right now on VFN TV. We heard about the movie, The Shack, the book, The Shack. Well, the author, Paul Young, is going to be on VFN TV today talking about how this book came about. But also, did you know over 18 million copies of it was sold around the world? It's like in the top 10 uh, bestsellers of, of all times in the world. That's right. Today, The Shack, the book, the author, and the movie. Welcome to VFN TV, where we're keeping the conversation light. That's L-I-G-H-T, light. Trump shall become a trumpet, says the Lord. When Time Magazine will have no choice but to say what I want them to say. Newsweek, what I want to say. For the Spirit of God says, yes, he may have hot blood, but he will bring the walls of protection on this country in a greater way, and the economy of this country shall change rapidly, says the Lord of hosts. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Masa of SoftBank from Japan, and he's just agreed to invest $50 billion in the United States and 50,000 jobs. President-elect Trump, my friend, congratulations on being elected President of the United States of America. You are a great friend of Israel. And I'm confident that the two of us, working closely together, will bring the great alliance between our two countries to even greater heights. I had a chance to talk to President-elect Trump last night to congratulate him on winning the election. And I had a chance to invite him to come to the White House so I have instructed my team and work as hard as we can to make sure that this is a successful transition for the president-elect. I congratulated Donald Trump and offered to work with him on behalf of our country. Donald Trump is going to be our president. We owe him an open mind and the chance to lead. Our constitutional democracy enshrines the peaceful transfer of power. When his hand comes off the Bible, when he's sworn in as president, we are hitting the ground running. I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. It's a movement comprised of Americans from all races, religions, backgrounds, and beliefs who want and expect our government to serve the people and serve the people it will. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. Do you feel optimistic about America right now? A, a divided America? A hundred percent. Why? It is the, I mean, this is a fantastic country. There's never been anything like it. This system will produce more and more stuff and better and better stuff. Trump also apparently offered a post to Robert Johnson, the founder of Black Entertainment Television, Johnson declined, saying that as entrepreneur, he didn't want to go into government bureaucracy, but also said he never thought Trump is a racist or anti-African-American. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and see if we can find common ground. And uh, I think that's the best interest of African-Americans. And I think the church has got to wake up and realize this, that the culture is being changed by persons who are dedicated to uh, redefining the, uh, uh, the First Amendment freedom of religion as freedom of worship. We've got to understand that the greatest need in America is the next great awakening. We've got to become involved in activism. We've got to get off the bench, man. It's just like Psalm 133 says, there's a mighty, mighty anointing when the unity of the Spirit is present.
maybe we need a new vocabulary for speaking to the American people and the body of Christ that is neither left nor right, but uniquely biblical and American. We as a body of Christ have bought into the left-right paradigm, and we automatically lop off half the population when we talk that way, because it breaks my heart that members of the body of Christ seem to find, in many instances, their primary identity in their race, in their skin color. I think it is one of the tragedies of our nation, one of the shameful tragedies, that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours, if not the most segregated hours in Christian America, if not the most segregated hours in Christian America. Nobody can fix America but the church. The church is totally silent about race. We're, we, we are ourselves dysfunctional in our ability. We're family, but we're a dysfunctional family because we cannot talk about the elephant in the middle of the room. Right. And until we do, then the people in the street are taking up the conversation. And I think that they are God's judgment on a silent church. Oh, I believe that God is looking to raise up Martin Luther King Jr.'s with his mantle to heal the racial problem, but they're not going to just be black people. And because they're Christians, they're going to live that they see Christianity as their primary identifier. There is an uprising coming. There is an uprising coming. Do not hold your peace from this day forward for the next five months you will hear peace peace but there is no peace the lord says the sword of heaven is coming to liberate the ground now you got races blaming each other you got police blaming the people the people blaming the police you got parents blaming children children blaming parents when are we going to seek his face when are we going to turn? Jezebel will not leave on her own accord, but I, the Lord, will cause her to fall from her tower of power. Even as of late, you have wondered if anything could unseat her from her evil purposes. Her victims are many. She has come to her final chapter. I, the Lord, will not tolerate her subversive activities any longer. Deliverance has finally come. With your host, Greg Lancaster. Welcome to VFN TV. I'm Greg Lancaster, and joining me just a moment is Steve Kalaszewski. Well, we are celebrating 12 days of Christmas. We love doing that every year. We wish you a Merry Christmas, and remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Before we get into talking about the shack that will change your life, if you read this book or you see this movie, we haven't seen the movie yet, but if it lines up with the book, over 18 million copies sold as the top 10 seller of all times in the world, and it really causes you to begin to think about all the dimensions of God. But before we do that, we want to remember our military out there that's serving us, and they're doing on this video, you're gonna love it, 12 days of Christmas. Imagine your, your military hospital, all the nurses and doctors taking a moment to celebrate Christmas. We wanna wish a Merry Christmas out there to all of our military. Let's take a look. We are ready. First day of Christmas, Martin gave to me a uniform violation. On the second day of Christmas, Barker gave to me two 
Christmas and thank you with deep heart of gratitude for all of our U.S. military that's been keeping us safe and all the medical staff. Obviously, they're working really hard. We appreciate everything that you're doing. When we get back for this break, we're going to find out why 
This particular author, William Paul Young, sold over 18 million copies of the book called The Shack and how that represents our heart. And a movie is coming out in March about it. Join us after the break. On behalf of All About Sewing in Mobile, Alabama, we'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Read the story of Jesus, Christmas times this is VFN TV, where we're keeping the conversation light. Follow us online at VFNTV.com. We'll be right back. You know, a lot of people want to abide with the Lord, but they just don't have a plan to do it. You can request that plan today at iabide.org. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on VFN TV and the David Radio Program. Every single day, we are on the air talking to the world and encouraging you by bringing the light, keeping the conversation light. And we also talk to you in many different ways as well. One way is at the VFN Torch. If you go to vfntv.com and click on the torch, our program that we have for years now with all these pertinent topics of the day plus things that you need to know is right there for you where you can go back and, and educate yourself on a particular matter. You can share things with a friend. You can listen to us and, and in addition in SoundCloud as well. You can share things audibly with other, other listeners out there and other viewers and friends. There's just so much available to you at vfntv.com. In addition, think about this. It's, we come to you in the air, broadcasting in the air, in your pocket, which is on mobile devices, and online. We're all over the world, and we want to be able to bring encouragement to you. And we do that one way with our app. You can go to uh, your app, Apple App Store. You can go to Google Play Store and, or your Windows Store and, and get your app and download it. The, the app is called VFN TV. Of course, you go to VFNTV.com. We have our little uh, area there. You can pick which app you want to be able to download. It's just so exciting to know that no matter where you are, we want to be able to encourage you. I don't know if you knew about this, but also you can sign up for our Torch newsletter. We have a gift for you for doing that. You just go to vfntv.com in the upper right-hand corner and fill out that little information and immediately a free gift will come to you. One of them is prudent preparation. Hopefully it's going to come to you and teach you how to probably prepare for the day, uh, what's happening in our culture today and how to think outside the box. And it's just something we want to be able to give to you, plus some other gifts as well. And I also want to make sure that you have a chance to be able to become a VFN TV partner. We have a whole partners area just to say thank you. It's a it's special area, special events, green room, things we have available just to give our partners, just to be able to say thank you. Imagine anytime you can log into the partners area. Why? Because you partnered for any dollar figure at all to be able to, to, to just say thank you. Things you can share with your friends as well. Also, we have VFN Kingdom Business Partners, a whole nother area to be able to focus on the seven spheres of culture. Just very encouraging. And finally, I want to encourage you, maybe your business, maybe you want to become a business sponsor. Um, those are the ones that are standing with us, that want to keep the conversation light, that want to impact their community, but also want to be able to share their business, their service, what they provide for their community. You can do that by going to vfntv.com. Thank you so much, and thanks for watching. Welcome back. Merry Christmas to all of our viewers out there. We're celebrating 12 days of Christmas. If you would like that music, you can get it. It's new songs, new album, the best Christmas ever. ever. Go to vfntv.com and find out the details on there. 
Well, is that exciting or what? Kind of bring back some memories in the... Uh, Just a few things, yeah. Man. Actually, we uh, made a similar song when I was you deployed did? as well. So wow. brings back some good memories. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I know this, that, you know, The Shack, the movie's coming out, but it started with a book, but actually also started with a testimony. Mm. But this is James Robinson interviewing William Paul Young. He is the author of the book, The Shack, that sold over 18 million copies, the bestseller of all, top 10 bestseller of all times. And he's, James Dobson, when he, James Robinson, when he heard, read this book, it shifted his whole life. And, mm. you know, and he has a man, he's, he's a great heart, James does. And, and so he invited the author on to be able to talk to him. Let's hear what Paul Young had to say. Take a look. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to life today. I've got a book here titled The Shack. This book I couldn't put down. And I'll read some. Normally it takes a few days or weeks to read it. But I read this in less than 48 hours. Kept me up late at night reading. And I didn't want to put it down because I was in the shack. And the shack is where people get stuck. And we need a meeting with God where we're stuck to ever get unstuck. And what the character... Mac, McKenzie, Phillips, faces. It's happened to a child, a member of his family, it just unbe unbearable. And, you, you know, you need to see. And then where he was taken by, by Papa, by God, and, and three people show up, God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who is a person, and they're in these characters in this shack meeting with this person who was stuck, and this is the place of his pain. And it's the most incredible thing because the book unfolds and it's, it's, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I want you to welcome the author of The Shack, Paul Young. Back to life today, Paul. Let's, let's try to cover some ground. You gave us your story. Yes. Hurt by religion, hurt by abuse, hurt by your own failures, hurt by trying to perform. And then you met God. And over a period of time, your life was literally transformed, and 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 your wife, you you know, you took her through some pretty painful stuff. Absolutely, you uh, you were unfaithful. Absolutely, you uh, with her best friend. Yeah, and uh, she said she'd never believe anything you said again. Here you are, sure. a religious person. Now, after this process of you going into the shack and you having an encounter with the living God, not religion, not performance, not legalism, not not a bunch of stuff, not institutions, but a relationship. What did your wife say to you? It was last summer, and. Uh, we're sitting around with a group of friends, and in front of me to them, she says to them, I never thought I would ever say this. It was all worth it. Mm. And she was saying, I'm, the pain was hard. The failure is not right. But she's saying to them, this man is worth it. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, that's the incarnation, right? That's, the, that's God coming into the midst of our stuff and being there throughout the process with the desire to bring us to heal. So that all those who've been hurt even by your failure and your shortcoming, your sin, your wickedness, yep. can then say the process, the transformation, the change, the power of a mighty God, not religion, not somebody's tradition, not someone's yep. talk, but the power of God to so change the person who hurt me so deeply that it was worth even the pain for what's happened. That's absolutely. what she basically said. That is absolutely You right. are saying that we can meet a God that wherever we've been hurt can show us his sufficiency, his grace, his greatness in the three people, yep. the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, 
and you showed how these individuals in this shack of horrible pain with your main character, how they related and how they related to your circumstances, you being the character in the book, yeah. all the pain, that, that it, was, it was a marvel to watch this incredible journey. And you believe this is the, the reality God offers, not the pretense or the wishful thinking, but the reality of a relationship with a living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you can actually have this relationship. You know, Oprah's kind of hung up in living in the now. And I believe the now is where Jesus is in the present, and dealing with exactly your past right. pain, your present pressures and problems, and, and your future pursuits. He deals with them with the now of his presence. Is that what Absolutely. you're getting across? Absolutely. If, if there isn't this relationship in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then, then we're out. And it's the fact that everything is in and of and for and through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. That's why the road is narrow. It comes down to Him. And yet He has taken us into Himself. And there is no, no break in terms of His relationship with the Father at any point. No separation. But we've been taught theologically or whatever that God is at a distance watching us. And it's all about behavior. My friend Baxter Kruger gave me these glasses and he says, we have been trained to look like this, you know, and there's a, and this is our blindness. And there comes a, there comes this process in which not to give us glasses, but to actually heal our eyes. And in that process, Spiritual eyes, yes, yeah. uh, we begin to know the truth about who he is, that he is not ashamed of us, that he crawls into the middle. Mm -hmm. One of the dominant images in, in the book is that Papa has nail scars in his wrists. The father. The father. And people say, well, how can you do that? I mean, their image of God is that kind of God the Father said, I'm sorry, Jesus, we've got to leave now because I don't like to get myself dirty. I'm, all wet. I'm dressed in white, you know. And so I'm out of here. I'll come back, get you in three days. And, but I'm sorry, you have to do the dirty work. As if Jesus stopped being God at that point. Mm -hmm. and, and the reality is, is in 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says that Papa... God the Father was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins. And yet there was them. a separation that he took that we would have without his mediation between us. In other words, he took the full brunt of sin himself. But, but God was in it. Right. You know, no question about it. No, no question. And people say, well, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that is the point in which Jesus absolutely entered into our sense of separation. Right. And that is that, that we know what that's like, not having a sense of the presence of God, whether he's there or not, and he's there. And, and Jesus at that moment no longer felt the sense of the presence of his Father. And then he makes the statement of faith immediately, but into your hands I commit my spirit. I know this is not true, mm -hmm. he's saying. And Papa from his side, he's saying, I am coming inside when you become sin for humanity. I am inside of that. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The issue of the father becomes huge. I'm sure you're aware of this, but the word father is only used like 15 times in the entire Old Testament. And it's only used in a general sense. And by the time we come to the new covenant, Jesus says, look, no one knows the father. Not Moses, not Abraham. Not the prophets, not David, 
No one knows the Father. And John's gospel uses the word Father over a hundred times. And he uses it personally. 176 times in the synoptic gospels and John. And, and Paul starts virtually every letter, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you have the revelation in Christ of the Father. And that is, is so exploding our old concepts and precepts that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in relationship. And they've come to dwell in me as a habitation and not just a visitation. It's not old covenant. He's come to live in me, I in him and he in me. And that from the inside, in the middle of all my stuff, my shack, that he begins to transform me without shame. And, and Peter says, you are now receiving the object of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This isn't how you think, how you see, how you touch. And, and you asked for it. The Holy Spirit was inside of you saying, well, this is a good praise song. Let's sing this one. You want to be free. You know, you want to know him. You know, you were praying the dangerous prayers, whether you knew it or not. And he's come and said, okay, that's all we need. We're coming in. And we're coming in as a habitation, and we're not leaving because he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it. And he is the one who begins to unwind us from the inside and out. And that work, that work of salvation is in Christ Jesus who Absolutely. we receive into our lives. This is not... This is not some separation. When Jesus said, I leave and I send the Holy Spirit, when he sent the Holy Spirit, he is actually indwelling us. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus didn't yep. just go off and live somewhere John else. John 14, 15, he, Even though he's 16. a person, yep. he's in us right now in spirit. Absolutely. The living Jesus. The Trinity has come into relationship with us. And this is what you talk about. It's a fellowship. It's not just showing up down at the meeting house. It's living in fellowship Everything with God. is about our adoption. That's the whole point. Adoption is right at the top. That that's what he intended to do in Ephesians. He one. wants to adopt everyone too. Absolutely. You know, there sometimes people go and, and want to take a child home from an orphanage and a kid won't go. You can say no, but God is saying, I'm inviting you. I'm calling you. He wants all of us. To, there are impressions because you show God as having this incredible love outreach and just loving everybody, no matter what label or title or race, which he just loves everybody. It doesn't matter what the label is. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And I ask you, are you talking about universalism? Are you talking about just everybody ultimately is saved? And you said emphatically, no. No, I'm not a universalist. Yeah. The only way into the Father's embrace is through the finished work of Jesus Christ and what Papa did in Christ on the cross. No question. That is, you know, that, that's what we're talking about, is that this God is still on plan A, which included him reaching across that boundary to us, regardless of what our attitude was. Do you think when you talk about the shack being the place people are stuck, do you think so many people get hurt and you were hurt? I was hurt. I look back in the childhood and the things that hurt me caused me to be stuck until God brings me out with this relationship, not just a discussion we had, not just Absolutely. a conversation. You all could have had all the talks you wanted to in the shack until Mac understood that he was going home, driving home back to the family, and this God relationship was real and it was going home with him. It yes. wasn't like... It's something you do occasionally. This is, you said it's not something you add to the list. Correct. God's talking and I'm the center of everything. I'm the center of every moment of every day. I want to be the exactly. center. It's all about us. We don't even make it without that connection. We're just existing. You talked about a garden that's just plowed under and it's, it's worthless until it becomes fruitful. And to me, the fruitfulness is, is the relationship and the fullness of God 
His yes. Spirit in us. Is that Father, that Son, picture? and Holy Spirit? Absolutely central. Absolutely. You know, He comes and we, He begins this process of unwinding us. You know, it's kind of like we are this ball of string, the hurt that you've talked about. And it's a yarn that has been twisted up and has got knots inside of knots inside of knots. And it's all tangled up and it's got bits of wood and dirt and string. And, and God comes and he's the only one big enough because of the beauty and the uniqueness of what he's designed in you. You know, human beings are phenomenal. And God has way more respect for his creation than we do. And he comes and, and, and gently but firmly begins to untie all those knots without breaking the string. And he's the only one big enough who can do that. He's the only one that knows you well enough that he can do that. But he's at the center of everything. What is your hope for the book? I've had incredible feedback from people, and it, it seems to come down to the relationship, to knowing that God is bigger than all the pain and the heartache and that he was there. And somehow he lets me see beyond the place I'm stuck, I'm held captive. What, what, what do you see in, in, in your heart your hope for the book? I hope that the lies drop away about God's character. You know, we live in a world so full of uncertainty, and a lot of times we take our religion and try to get God's behavior to be certain by doing enough performance rules, by having enough faith, whatever that commodity is, that we can finally get him to do what we want him to do, which we think is in our best interests. And when he won't perform to magic like that, we feel, where is their certainty? And the certainty is in his character. If there's no other place that I can plant my feet, I can plant them in the place that says he's good and he's involved. And I can put my feet there and know that he's good and he's involved. I don't even have to understand what's going on. I, I know that in the process of him unwinding me, which is an absolute like you said earlier, unique process to every human being. I can't compare my healing process with anybody else and the timing of it and how it happens. I look back and I'm, I'm surprised by the change, but there's change. And this God who has crawled inside the middle of all this has come with a desire and an affection and a kindness that leads me to transformation. And don't you find that, that Paul, when we enter into this, that this river of life, this river, the result of the relationship cannot be contained. It has to be released. And out of the innermost being of the free person comes streams of living water. That's his life. He is a, a God who loves to share. So for that to begin to happen as a part of who I am now, since he has joined himself to me. You know, Jesus did not come to be a model. He came to be our life from the inside. And everything he is is now wedded to me. Everything the spirit is is now wedded to me. And that means that I don't have to pray for patience. That's why nobody prays for patience in the new covenant. <laughs> what they do is they realize that by nature now, he has wed patience to my character. And for me to act in impatient ways is for me to go contrary to my nature. Mm -hmm. And I can begin to express this life that is the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What you're doing for water, that's an expression of the Trinity. That's an expression of this life that is inside of you. And that is a natural, you're not working hard to want to do. I don't have to, to work hard. Do, I, no. I, I can't quench that. It's and inside of me. Everything you love is like that. And that's why there's no break between spiritual things and secular things for If the I believer. shut myself off from that, I've shut myself off from life. If I, if I close myself off to the release of that, 
then I have ceased to have what he's offering me. Yeah. In other words, I've, I've quenched, quote, the spirit. I've, I've, I've done something that, that is, is, it's contrary to my own well-being and everybody else's. And, and yet when we fail, and this is the thing that's so marvelous, when we fail, he's still there. He doesn't bail out. And when we're brokenhearted, he's still there. And he is an awesome God. And I'm going to tell you what he can do, repair. And he, and he yeah. by the way, he's not finished with me yet. I haven't uh, arrived. I'm, me I'm either, still at work and, and I'm on my journey, but I'm with him. You want to say thanks to Paul Young for sharing with us. That's Paul Young. He's the writer of the book, The Shack. The Shack is referring to our heart. The tattered and torn mm -hmm. shack is like a, the broken and contrited heart person. Yeah. And listen, we got so much more we want to be able to share with you. And even the movie that's coming out, we're going to talk about it as well. But first, we have this offer for you. We'll be right back from this break. Know this, that not only when you partner with us that we'll have this offer for you, but know this, we have the green room for you. The green room is special uh, treats and things that we uh, just give just for you, for our partners. We also have specials available for you that's there. And we have like many, many teachings, prophetic teachings to encourage you. We have so many things to say thank you for you standing with us to make a difference in this world. Is an offer for you. Did you know it's our partners that help keep us on the air? We have a gift for you, for your partnership of any amount. It's Offer 2020. It's entitled The Extra Mile. It's not conditional. There is something about it, the American culture that no one wants to be told what to do. Yet, we're told in Romans 12 too, that we're not to conform to this culture that we live in. What does that mean? It means that when Jesus tells us a soldier that asks us to carry his bag a mile, we're supposed to not only go a mile, but go two miles. We'll find out how to deal in, with the contradictions of this culture and understand a culture that says, I will carry your gear if you do this. I will do this if, when the reality is, God's not concerned about this world or this kingdom because we have a kingdom that's not of this world. You'll be greatly encouraged when you find out there's another kingdom that we're living for. And we have that for you. It's of any amount so whatsoever. We have an offer for you. It's offer 2020. The title of it is The Extra Mile. Really, it's not conditional. You can partner by going to vfntv.com and click on partner now. Or you can mail us at vfntv, 40 West Nine Mile Road, number 2, PMB 360, Pensacola, Florida, 32534. Or you can even call us at 844-408-3688. That's offer 2020. Jesus told us to go the extra mile. It is not conditional. Thank you. God bless. A world in white, I'm taken back to the place you covered me. This is VFN TV, where we're keeping the conversation light. Follow us online at VFNTV.com. We'll be right back. I think the parent takes on some of the blame for that, or they feel shame. Uh, they are not wondering what other people would think about them, something they must have done wrong that their child turned out to be gay. This is Focus on the Family Minute, and Ann Mobley recalls how she reacted when her son told her he was gay. I didn't realize at the time how important my, my initial response to my son was, but it was just something that I just did, which is out of my heart. I went to him. He was sitting at the end of the table. I went to him, put my arms around him, and drew him close to me. I said, son, you're, you're my son. 
I love you, and that nothing is going to change that. And I think that set the tone for his feeling he could be open and honest with me. Yeah. And that's when he began, as we, we went to the living room and sat down for two hours, and he just opened up and heard a lot of things I didn't want to hear, but at least he felt he could be honest with me. And I think that was the beginning of a very open relationship. You'll hear more of Ann's story at familyminute.org. There's nothing like wisdom from those who have gone before us. I mean, think about it. Reverend Billy Graham has reached the world. He's being interviewed by Greta Van Susteren here on Fox News, and she's asking him a very important question. It's, an, it's something that we talk about all the time, about, about an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. But listen to the wisdom of Reverend Billy Graham as she asks him a very important question. We'll be right back. If you were to do things over again, would you do it differently? Yes, I would study more, I would pray more, travel less, take less speaking engagements. I took too many of them in too many places around the world. If I had to do over again, I'd spend more time in meditation and prayer and just telling the Lord how much I love him and adore him. And I'm looking forward to the time we're going to spend together for eternity. Why would you speak less when you had such an enormous audience and people listening? Why would you want to speak less? I didn't mean that I would speak less in these great stadiums. I meant that I would speak less at all kinds of conferences and things that I was invited to uh, throughout the world, especially in Great Britain and the United States, because I'd get up and travel to those places, and uh, I didn't have time to think and study and pray, and I needed time for that. And if I had to do over again, I would try to organize it much better. I mean, think about it. All this wisdom and the word of God, the word of God tells us, imitate those that have gone before us. We can either start again like we have not borrowed the experience and grown from those wisdom that has gone before us, such as Reverend Billy Graham. Or we could say, you know what? He's right. I'm going to apply the wisdom that he's learned in his life and I'm going to begin to abide in my schedule and my time. It's going to be specifically how I love God, love others and lead others to do the same. If you don't have a plan right now how to abide with God. This is what we talk about continually. Go to iabide.org, iabide.org, and request your simple plan today that we have available for you so you can begin to walk in this wisdom today. It's iabide.org. Welcome back and Merry Christmas on our 12 days of Christmas. We like to celebrate Christmas every year, 12 days of Christmas. Yes. And uh, we're excited. If you want to get that album, you just heard the music. It's new song, The Best Christmas Ever. You can find that at VFNTV.com on the front page and find out the details on it. So this book, mm-hmm. the author, Paul Young, or William Young, but Paul Young is what he goes by, that he's talking about his own personal journey. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But the shack in itself is really our heart. 
a broken and contrite yeah. heart. People, you know, you know, in America we're like things all fixed up nice, Discovery Channel. <laughs> then the next thing they're remodeling. But the truth is, you know, we come broken, tattered, and torn, and God begin. He comes in the middle of all of our our mess mm-hmm. and begins to restore us and and forgive us and to give us hope and a future and to free us and and it's a very exciting thing. And it makes me think about the movie. That's the book that we were just talking about in the early part of the program. But the movie is coming out this March. And I want you to take a look at what this movie is about. It's going to bless your heart. Car leaves in 20 seconds. we got to go. Let's go. Do you think the princess should have a red dress like mine? Red it is. Where's Missy? Missy! Where's Missy? Sorry, Mac. They haven't seen her. Missy! Missy! I was scared. I didn't know what to do. Awful suspect sighting. Ground teams found the truck in the mountains. I'm really sorry, Mr. Phillips. You want some help over there? I'm okay. Well, some dinner tonight. Maybe next time. Showed up in my mailbox with no tracks in the snow. You're not thinking about going back there, are you? I gotta do something. You know, this isn't a good idea. It's crazy, but this is all I got. Got a fire going inside if you want to warm up. Mackenzie Allen Phillips. I've been looking forward to this. Do I know you? Not very well, but we can work on that. He's still having a hard time believing this is real. Why did you bring me here? There's no easy answer that'll take your pain away. Where were you when I needed you? I never left you. I never left this. Ain't it just like a tear to go and blow? You want me to forgive him? I want him to hurt like he hurt me. You want the promise of a pain-free life. There isn't one. You can do this. I can't. But on your own, you can. This is your flying lesson. I'm telling you, the book was amazing. Of course, everything that you read, you read in your own voice, your mm-hmm. own experience with God. Mm-hmm. So one person can read a book and they think of it critically because that's their voice. Mm-hmm. Some people can read a text and be offended and the person who sent the text was actually sending a loving text. And it's like, what's in people's hearts? So how, you, how I read this book, it just blessed my heart because I was trying to see outside the walls of religion and, and find this intimate expression of, of the Lord and what was taking place at the time. Well, over 18 million people, you know, pursued this book and it became a conversation and now they've got a movie coming out about it. And of course, the, some people have, have, have read it and are seeing even the movie that's playing and in their voice, what they're hear, hearing is, is that God, you know, couldn't be betrayed like that. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's so many dimensions to God, you know, all the different 
aspects of them. You've got to have a different name for all of them. The ultimate name is I Am. But I even think of this because one of the, the characters that in the book talking about God is also you know, masculine and feminine. And, and some people are saying, well, you know, God can't be feminine. But look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. You know, the, the Word of God says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them, which means men and women are created in the image and the likeness of God. And so to get the full dimensions of God when you're talking about them, you know, it could be expressed that way. But the reality is, this is an issue that really came up to the author Paul Young, and he's being interviewed a little a few years later mm-hmm. uh, by James Robson about this issue because some people began to say, well, there's no way that God, a part of God, can be can portrayed as any feminine characteristics right. or masculine characteristics. And the shack is his heart. It's what's inside of his heart and what's going on. But let's take a look at see what he said about that. A few years ago, I was actually going to remember where I was. I was uh, sharing with uh, what I, I was speaking in the Nashville area, having lunch with a contractor that had built a platform for me to preach on in Gallatin, Tennessee, and they talked him into staying around to see the preacher. He wasn't a Christian. And he stayed and he got saved, wonderfully saved. Uh, he loves Jesus. He is now one of our trustees of our board, the Life Outreach. And uh, I was eating lunch with him, and he said, Hey, a lot of people in our church are reading this book. Matter of fact, they're talking about it. Would you check it out and just see what you think? And it was called The Shack. That's interesting, The Shack. Uh, he told us a while ago, it went and did so well, he thought maybe he'd come back now and write one called The Condo. Well, that already <laughs> is a whole different audience. But Paul Young published the book in his garage. And it was a book he published because he had a broken heart for his truly fouled up life. Now, whether he wants to share what happened, that's his call. He was stuck. He got unstuck and he wanted to help his family understand. So he wrote The Shack. Very unusual book. No need in being critical because it's a little different because it did reveal the greatness of our God to get anybody unstuck. Well, he has a new book. It's called Crossroads. And he's here to tell us about it. And I would like, and by the way, the shack that was in the garage, uh, it finally had to get out of the garage into the real publishing industry. I mean, you know, like, you know, like a real writer. <laughs> well, has it done anything? Uh, how about 18 million copies of the shack? Would you say welcome to Paul Young? Thank Paul, you. good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. Thanks. You really, you really blessed us when you were here. Uh, I think you remember we, we stayed afterwards and, and we just uh, prayed with people. They, they didn't want to leave. Absolutely. And one of the reasons they didn't want to leave was because we had a wonderful, full audience. There were a lot of them that were willing to admit we're stuck. We don't be stuck anymore. And so we just prayed for them. And the reason that we prayed for them, and you made it very clear, it wasn't to sell them a book, what didn't even get them to read a book. You wanted them unstuck. Yep. And you showed them love, the love of God that you revealed in the characters that represented God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now, you're showing us, and you showed us the Holy Spirit. You're throwing us another curve on the way you reveal the Holy Spirit. It's like you think the Holy Spirit could live anybody and behave like the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me. (laughs) It's like God could just be in anybody and reveal himself. What kind of thinker are you? I mean, you're a wife. You know, (laughs) 
imagery was never intended to define God, right? Because right. there's lots of imagery all over Scripture. There's masculine imagery, you know, God is Father. There's feminine imagery, um, God is a woman who loses a coin, or God is a, a woman who's a, a nursing mother bouncing her baby on her hip. That's in the Hebrew Scriptures. And... Uh, so the imagery, there's inanimate objects. God is a rock and a fortress and a strong tower. We know that God's yeah, not those sheep, things. for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even in, in the Old Testament, ruach is feminine for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? And uh, the verbs are feminine. And uh, it doesn't mean that God is male or female. And I wasn't trying to say that. I was trying to say, look, you know, all of maleness, all of femaleness is derived from the nature and character of God. You really weren't trying to get into a theological discussion. You were trying to show people that God is great enough to come into your situation and make the difference you're looking for. Well, and here's part of the beauty of it. A lot of, a lot of us who've grown up, I'm a missionary kid and a preacher's kid. So, you know, Pharisees are my people, you know, so, uh, <laughs> but a, a lot of us grew up with an, with an idea of God being distant, unapproachable, unreachable. In fact, a lot of us had a theology where Jesus came to save us from God the Father. That's right? sad, isn't it? It's very sad, yeah. but uh, it, a lot of us understand that. Mm -hmm. and, and then we have, a, we have a difficulty trying to trust someone like that. And, um, and so, you know, those of us who grew up that way, th that, that distance doesn't make any sense. And you can't trust someone you don't know loves you. And it was like... There is a secret agenda behind the back of Jesus, you know, and you have to try to please this God. Well, for some of us and a lot of us who have been broken and have damage in our histories, we're not, we don't have what it takes to please people and live up to their expectations, even our own fathers or, you know, let alone God. And, and, and to learn to trust, now that's a whole different ballgame. Why does it surprise us that the first conversation in the Bible about God is in the mouth of the accuser and he's saying, you can't trust him. He's not good all the time. You know, he is, uh, he doesn't want you to become everything you were intended to be and he'll lie to you. So, you know, mm. a lot of people have, a, this is one particular minister said this. He said, you know, when I was first in ministry, he said, I had a, a lot of answers and very few questions. But now that I've been in ministry a long, long time, I have very few answers, but I would die for those answers, but a lot of questions. One country preacher said this on the radio. He said, ever since, you know, I've been in ministry for a long time and I realized the longer I get in ministry, the more ignorer and ignorer and <laughs> ignorer I get. The truth is, if a man tells you he knows everything about God, you know, that's the man you don't listen to because everybody knows in part and prophesies in part. But God does reveal himself to us, and you can learn about the dimensions of God, and, and the Word just bears this whole thing out. If you get in the Word, you can find out, you know, where things are, are headed and where they're not heading when somebody's having a conversation with you. But it's, it's so dimensional to begin to say, you know, what is it going to take for us to break out of these barriers? What's going to take us to trust God? It's going to take, uh, what's going to take us to forgive someone or to, to be willing to say, God, I want this out of my life. I want this stronghold gone out of my life. It's going to take us to say, you know what? God, I want you to heal my heart. That's the shack. That's what he's talking about. You know, that we got to go there to places that we didn't want to go to bring to God. And God says, I will not turn away from a broken and contrary heart. And as a matter of fact, this whole book was not a book at all. It was an experience, mm -hmm. an experience that Paul Young had that he walked out 
and his wife asked him, can you put down a few notes about this so you can share it with the kids? As a matter of fact, listen to how this book came to pass. And she, for about four years at the end of this, had been saying, you know, someday, because I was a writer my whole life, in the sense that anybody is, you write stuff for your friends and family, and, and uh, you give it to them, and they love it because they're your friends and family. You know, poetry and songs and short stories. And, and she always loved what I wrote. And she said, you know, someday as a gift for our six children, would you put in one place how you think, because you think outside the box. And when it got printed, she said, I was thinking like four to six pages. <laughs> and I wrote a story on the train to one of my three jobs. I had 40 minutes each way, and we had nothing. We had lost everything in 2004, which was part of the healing process. If you have the fear of financial insecurity, there's nothing quite like losing everything to help heal you. <laughs> and, and Kim was working at the high school bakery, and we were living in a rental flat with about 900 square foot of space with six of us. And, and the joy of God had dropped on us. Joy had become a constant companion. That's what happens when you live inside the grace of a day. You don't run away from joy. You know, we are so geared to be future trippers. That's, that's what we do when we can't trust. We create imaginations that don't exist, and we spend real grace that was given for us for today on things that don't exist. And I'd stop becoming a future tripper. In 2005, my prayer was, I had two prayers left. <laughs> you know, for a religious kid, that's not bad. My two prayers were this, Papa, I don't want to be an old man one day looking back at my life and wondering, what would it have been like to take the risk of actually trusting, to take the risk of relationship and community? I don't want to be that guy. And my second prayer is, Papa, I'm never going to ask you to bless anything that I do, but... Now, let me explain that first part. I'm a religious kid, so... Give me a dream, a vision, a word, or something. I'll turn it into an agenda. Give me half a chance, right? And I, my whole life has been like trying to get God to follow me. Hey, I got this great idea for me, for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at what we could do, you know? And it's all a way to find identity, worth, value, significance, security, meaning, purpose, you know, in something you can control. And, and uh, I said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm never going to ask you again to bless anything that I do, but if you have something, you're blessing. And it would be okay for me to be a part of that and participate. I'd be all over it. And I don't care if I'm cleaning toilets, which was one of my jobs, or shining shoes or holding the door open for others. I just want to know at the end of the day, you did this. And I got to participate. And you look at the shack, which is a phenomenon, which nobody saw coming. And it gave people a language to have a conversation about God that was relational, not religious. And it broke down all these walls. And it, and it found the precious places of people's heart. And in retrospect, I see God with God's great sense of humor goes, well, Paul, you know this little book you're writing for Christmas for your kids? What if I bless that? You give it to your kids and then I'll give it to mine. And that's what happened to the praise of his glory. That's so exciting when you think about the, the, you know, the living in the, the moment, the grace of the moment. 
But you have to realize, he was in a building that someone built, being interviewed by a minister who led that, wearing a mic that some sound man was running, that somebody else had a video camera. So there's that tension between the Mary and the Martha. You know, we want to live in that moment and now, but the only way that you actually got to experience that is because we had people that are willing mm-hmm. to, to do. So, but it is important. I mean, that's one of the, our goals in VFN is to bring the church to that moment and believing that God's raising up folks to do the heavy lifting so that you could live that life in such a way that you can just be and share the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. And we're going to be talking in our next program about dealing with shame because shame has to go before we begin to to uh, to walk this kind of walk. But it's so exciting. Make sure you see the movie's going to be in March and we'll be talking more about it. Let me pray with you right now. Father God, we love you, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, for our salvation. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for how we're created in your image and your likeness, Father God, that you are who you are, Father God. And we love you, we acknowledge you. And we thank you, Lord, for this man that laid out his life and uh, wrote down some things and those that labored to be able to produce it in video format, in a movie for people to be able to experience it, God. I pray right now for healing of the heart for those that are watching. God, heal their hearts where their shack, their heart is all broken from all different things that have hurt them in their life, that you would just go in and begin to encourage them and enter that part of their life and begin to bring healing in Jesus' name. And God, we ask you, Lord, end abortion, sin revival, send a third grade away, can we pray? In Jesus' name, God bless and Merry Christmas to you. We want to give a special thanks to all of our sponsors and partners. Visit VFNTV.com and visit our sponsors for all of their contact information phone numbers, web addresses, emails, call them today. I'm your host, Greg Lancaster, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Don't forget you can join us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download our app and sign up for our newsletter, The Torch, at vfntv.com. I've enjoyed our time together. God bless. We're family. Did you know that God has called us to be family? We're called to be the family of God. It's Father God. It's not like King God. It's Father God. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is our elder brother. Yes, he's our Lord and our Savior. He's the firstborn. He's the head of the church. He's our elder brother. We are not, we're we're heirs of God, not heirs of Jesus. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We're family. We're sisters and brothers. That's why we're supposed to love each other. The family of God. I remember Jesus was sitting around with his disciples in a house, by the way, and he's teaching them uh, about the things of God. Mm-hmm. And his biological mother, Mary, and brother comes to the house, and they're knocking on the outside of the door. And they said, and, and of course, they're talking to each other, Mary and her son's talking, and says, oh my goodness, Jesus has lost his mind. <laughs> they really thought, he thought Jesus lost yeah, his mind. That's right. They lost his mind, and he hasn't eaten. He's been a long mm-hmm. time since he's eaten. We need to go rescue him. We need to rescue him from his ministry because he's lost his mind. Don't he know this is supposed to happen in a temple, not in a house? And this goes on. And then Jesus, of all the things he said, this is very important, of all the things of he all said, things. of all the things he said, he said, you know, somebody comes out and said, yo, your mom was outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, yo, sir. No, yo, your mom was outside. And so Jesus stops, he pauses, he looks at the disciples, and he's talking to them, and he says, listen, let me tell you who the family of God is. Mm. Let me tell you who my mother and my brother is. 
those who do the will of my father. Yes. Oh, more than anything, you want your biological family to follow God. But the truth is you have no control over them. You tell them the truth and you honor their decision. Listen, the true family of God is those who follow his teachings. They have a desire to follow Jesus. See, the church is a family. Get into your right now where you're at and your fellowship. Say, listen, we need to start being family. Mm-hmm. And if people just still relate to you like sand, like organizations, like an orphanage, you know, just get your food, sit down, shut up, don't know nobody. Listen, find a fellowship that functions as family. Maybe Vine Fellowship Network's for you. Maybe there's a church in your area. Maybe God has, a, has planted in your heart. So you know what? I want to begin this in my own city. Check it out. VineFellowshipNetwork.org, where we're loving God, loving others, and leading others to do the same.